Thanks for joining the Heights Church podcast today. We hope that you enjoy the message. If you're in the Sydney area, be sure to join us at the Heights Church at Golston Road, Hornsby Heights, Sydney, Australia. Good morning, church. Our Bible reading is from Colossians chapter 1, and it's verses 24 to 28. And in the NIV, it's subtitled, Paul's Labour for the Church. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission of God, gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Um, we come to the end of our a series or the end of this kind of block uh, from the beginning of the year where you may remember or you may recall, I actually get taught not to say that you may remember because your memory is probably good, but you may recall uh, that we started off with Jochebed going down to the river and dumping Moses, well, placing Moses in the reeds uh, and then uh, waiting for the Egyptians Da- uh, the, the Pharaoh's daughter to come along and, and send out her servants to pick up the basket. She sees the little kid in there saying it's a Hebrew child. Miriam, uh, Moses' sister, comes along and goes, oh, yeah, you know, here, here's what's going on. And, and eventually Jochebed gets Moses back to raise him before he uh, goes out and, and does incredible things for God um, into this world, as we read in the Old Testament. We also recognise, and I was mentioning back then, is that Jochebed didn't have blind faith. She didn't act in blind faith. It wasn't as if she didn't know God's character and and step out in faith, recognising God's character uh, in her life. So we looked at God's character over the course of this this term, uh, and it's that he's a, a God of love, and he is ever-present and he's trustworthy and he's unchanging and he's holy. And given all those things that we've been looking at, we too, when we step out for God, we don't step out in blind faith. We step out knowing God's character through his word and experiencing that in our life. We also recognise that when Jehobed put Moses down in the reeds, and Miriam was standing there, so when the Pharaoh's daughter got the basket, she turned around and said, well, who's going to raise this kid? Oh, I've got a person. And then she went to, uh, to, to uh, Moses' mum and said, well, he'll raise it. It was all strategic. They no doubt looked at the times when the Egyptian's daughter was going to go down and bathe behind, by the river. It was very intentional what they did. It wasn't just like, oh, we'll put it down there and see what happened. Of course, Anything could have happened, but God had that in control. But it was very intentional. And I think that's a paradigm for our church, all church ministry. Sometimes we're surprised by God and He just shows up. 
and we just go, well, (laughs) you know, that's just going to blow our mind. But most of the time what happens in ministry is we strategically in prayer bring things before God and step out in faith, knowing and, and believing that God wants us to do those things and walk out in faith. We strategically kind of look at that as a team and as a church Uh, we walk out. It's very intentional what we do here at church. We don't want to go ahead before God. We don't want to be reactionary, thinking we should have thought about that before. We want to be people who, in faith, are stepping out in time with where God is leading us and calling us. Our aim as a church is to know Christ, to grow in Christ and to show Christ to each other and the world. If you forget that, there's a sign up the back that says that. I haven't said this for a while. I was really happy the other day, massively. made my meal when I, we went out with Claire and Gavin uh, up there and we're talking about, um, about church and what he's going through and, and, and at the Lakes Church and having a great time up there. And he says, well, it's not, like, it's not unlike yours. They have the same vision, like to know Christ, to grow Christ, to show Christ to each other in the world. And I went, yes, that's unbelievable. Hopefully you know that, that our aim is to show Christ, to know Christ, to grow in Christ and to show Christ to each other in the world. And it comes from Colossians and it comes from 1 Peter. And Paul writes to the church of Colossae with, uh, in Colossians 1.28 and he says, He is the one, or Christ is the one. Christ is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Throughout history, the history of the New Testament and church history, as Natalie does her, her church history essay coming up, the purpose of, this world, of the church in this world boils down to three fundamental things. Churches will express them differently and ministries will express them differently. They have different ways of doing that, whatever context they're in. But essentially, they're the same. Ultimately, every church exists for the purpose of helping our world come to know Christ, not just about Christ. Books do that. But to know Him personally, relationally with Him and discipling those who know Christ so they might grow in Him, grow towards maturity and faith to become more like Him. And of course, in that knowledge and in that growth, growth will outwork or show Christ in love of our neighbour across the street and around the world. Love won't stand by and watch people live for eternity without Jesus. We want people to know Christ and we'll present Christ to people. And that love will not stand by and ignore the human need of people and the justice that needs to happen in this world and the compassion that needs to happen in this world and the love that needs to happen in this world. We'll serve out of kindness and care and compassion and show the love of Christ. In fact, Paul goes on in his letter in Colossians to talk about those things in more detail. First, to know Christ. Making Christ fully known to everyone is a priority number one, as I said, of churches of history and of the Heights Church. From the moment that Jesus called his disciples into being together as he grew them and gathered them together, he commissioned them as disciples and us as a church to have that as our number one priority that people might know God, might know his salvation, 
So Paul writes this letter to the church and he emphasises a Colossian church and he emphasises that's the primary reason that he exists, for which the church exists. And why God, why Jesus has been revealed to him is to, so he might reveal Christ to the world. He writes in Colossians 4, 2 to 6, and encourage the church at Colossae. He says, I devote, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open up a door for our message so that we might proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. I pray that I may proclaim it clearly as, it sh- as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards our others and unbelievers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer Everyone. Now, if you've been here at the Heights for any amount of time, you would know that to know Christ is part of our vision and to make him known is our mission. We've talked about it. We've talked about having, uh, making Christ the head and the Lord of our, our lives. So to how are we going to make disciples? Of course, for you to know Christ, you first of all, have to be his disciple. You have to become his disciple. You don't get to know him really until you start that relationship with him. And the only way that you start that relationship with him is to know him not only as a good teacher and not only as a good model for life, but know him as your Lord and Saviour. That's the way that you start it. Our prayer is that we would seek through God's Word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to point others to the love of God in Christ and what it means to be part of that walking relationship with Him, what it means to have His life, His Word and His Spirit so influence you and our, that it, it impacts our community, it impacts your family, it impacts your friends and your workplace that it generates a curiosity amongst your friends and the people that God has brought to your, into your presence so that they might know His mercy and His forgiveness as well. And here at the Heights, we do that in a whole, whole, whole lot of levels. Across the street, we want to be a light that illuminates the presence of Christ into our world, into our neighbourhood, into our, our families, into our work, into our schools, into the community, wherever it might be. We do things at our church and you do things as individuals to bring that about. I hope that's our prayer. I hope that's your prayer, that the heights would equip you to explain Jesus, to explain his salvation to a world that just does not know him and that we would encourage each other to be examples of him as we display a compassion that only can come from Him, a radical generosity that gives beyond and that we would learn how to multiply ourselves, be disciples who make disciples, who go out and bring more disciples in so that we're always growing and God and the Church of Christ is always bringing people in. But also as a church, we seek to partner with our world, the world around us, from others from around the world, individual organisations who have like-minded vision of making Jesus known. 
and hold that as a priority in their mission as well. We partner with the Slavic Gospel Association, with Eagle's Wings, with Samburu Mission, with Samaritan's Perth's Operation Christmas Child and other organisations and individuals that do just that. We partner with people and partnering with people will be our priority here at the Heights. And we pray, I pray that that priority will always be before us. But today, however, I want to talk about the second part more than the first part of knowing Christ, which is to grow in Christ. And I want us to think about how we, as Paul can put it, make everyone fully grown or mature in Christ. Colossians 2.2 says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they'll have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all of the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. So then you, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you are taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the, ele- and the elemental spiritual forces of the world than on, than on trust, rather than on trust. See, Paul gives this amazing picture of the church, a church who grows in Christ, grows in his word, and has grown in understanding and wisdom and knowledge of Him, with Him. A church that applies that knowledge to everyday life as you live out your life to show Christ to each other and our world. A growing church, not a stagnant church. Not only numerically, because our church will grow numerically and we should pray for that. We should pray. Here's, Here's the thing. Little church... We're praying that it grows. But I don't think anyone that's one and two years old is going to come in from our general community to go to it. So we're going to have to pray that families come into our church, unless, you know, they're all going on a bus and walk away, which I don't think they're kind of there yet. We want our church to grow so that it produces community and, and grows community and connection, as we're going to be talking about. Not only numerically, but strong in faith, so they can hold fast to the truth and so that people can avoid deceptive philosophies of our world, our community and our culture and a church that is overflowing with thankfulness. That's what we want. It's a great picture, isn't it? That's a picture of a healthy church, strong, biblically grounded, filled with the Spirit, empowering everyone to follow Jesus in their everyday life. I want to be part of that, and I'm sure that you do too. I'm sure you want to experience that, but there is a prerequisite to that. As you'll notice right back in Colossians 4, 2 to 6, it says this, I want you to experience the pathway. I want you to experience that growth and that maturity in Christ, and this is what it starts with. My goal is that you may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that those things will happen. 
Paul is revealing that this picture of this amazing church that's growing together, connecting together, having faith to step out, strategically thinking about how what they might do in ministry and intentionally doing that. Before that happens, we have encouragement of heart and we're united in love. What will that look like in our church? What will it look like for us to encourage one another in heart and be united in love? Here's the big thing, and you may not have realised it, that growth towards maturity will only happen in community. You can live your Christian life yourself. You can not come to church. You can be at home. But Paul is saying that Growth towards maturity only happens in the context of community, of community love, of community encouragement, of unity of heart. It will not happen by yourself. Essentially, you can't be a Christian who truly knows Christ and, and, and his world and is able to apply wisdom to whatever context you find yourself in outside of community. You can hold fast to the, the truth and you can be discerning about the deceptive philosophies of this world only if you're connected in community. You can't do it on your own. You have to be in community and you have to intentionally step out to encourage others to be united in love. The Bible is so clear on the one anothering that we do in the, in, in, with each other, how we join together as a community. And God's word is, uh, is full of imperatives, which is commands, about that. Now, I'm going to fly through this. It's going to be speed dialing, let me tell you. So there's a bit of paper outside that will have the one another statement. So also, if, if you want to uh, do the cue code in front of you and go to sermon notes, the one anothering statements are there as well. But I'm just going to fly through these and, uh, and Isaac is going to keep up with me. First of all, we accept one another. Just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God, we admonish one another as we let God's word richly dwell within us and admonish us and teaching us through the things that we do. We bear one another's burdens. We... we we bear with one another, we build up one another, we care for one another, we comfort one another. We confess our faults or we confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. We devote, we're devoted to one another, we encourage one another, we have fellowship, strange word fellowship, let me tell you. But it means we're connecting together with our unity in Jesus, we're, we're, we're we're together, we, we walk in that light, we, we're in the light together, we, we travel in that light, we have fellowship with one another, that, that's that word again. Forgive one another, we greet one another, we're honest with one another, we honour one another, we're hospitable one another, we're kind to one another, we love one another, connected to one another. We're the same mind as each other, it doesn't mean we, we, we conform, but we're, we're, 
we're unified in mind. We're unified in mission. We're unified in passion. We serve one another. We spur one another on towards maturity. We submit to one another. Do we get it? We don't live the Christian life alone. And as I mentioned, some people say you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and that may be true. But the gathering of the church is what church is. God saved for himself a people, not a person. And the people gathering together is, a, is an image, is a, is, they gathered together below the mountain as Moses went up and brought down God's word and they gathered together in, in trust and faith and walking with him right then. And we'll gather together at the end of time as we are seated around the throne all together as Christian people. And a microcosm of that is the church local that gather together as a, as a foretaste of what it's like to be gathered around his throne. That's why in Hebrews it says, don't neglect your gathering. Because if you neglect your gathering, you will drift away. In fact, Hebrews goes on to say, if you neglect your gathering, you'll fall back into sin. It is only by the gathering of the church, by the encouragement and the bond in unity, that we don't drift We don't fall backwards, but we encourage everyone to be in God's word and to move together into unity. You have to press into this thing called community. And Paul brings it home with that list of imperatives, but he brings it home especially in Ephesians chapter 4. And let me read this uh, section as he says the, the church there, a beautiful Uh, summary of all that's there. It says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you are called to one hope, you were called to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, teachers, and prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the face, unity in the face and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, pertaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by the winds of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and this deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow into him who is head of Christ, who is head that is Christ from him. The whole body joined together every supporting ligament growing and building itself up as each part does its work. Isn't that a great picture of the unity of God, the church of God? 
We will never grow to full maturity unless we're committed to community and committed to each other, unless we as individuals commit to God's church. I read a book this week that Gavin gave me about church and the gathering. And the person who wrote the book, which is the, uh, the principal of SNBC, uh, talked about his love of the church. Is that your experience? I know when I was younger, if I missed church, it was a hole in my week. It got me down from the very start. I would travel and get out of the surf, which is a big thing for a surfer, to go to church. Because I want to be with God's people. I want to hear God's word. I love the connection. I love the community. I love how people who may not fit into places in their world or in their community fit here, fit in church. They're part of that body. They grow in him and they learn, they're learning things. There's a question, what does it have, what has to happen to make that connection, to encourage one another and to be unified here at the heights? What is that? What needs to happen? That's not rhetorical. Let's talk about it for a second with the person sitting next to you. What needs to happen for us to connect together? Do that for a second. That's how we can connect together. That's how we can start to encourage one another to step out in faith so that we might mature and we will not be led astray by deceptive philosophies of this world and teachings of this world, but we might stay true to God's word and grow in God's word. Is that amen to that? Amen. Amen. And this is what will happen to our church. We'll be blessed. It'll be a blessing to be here. It'll be a big blessing to be part of it. And as we grow and grow and grow and as we connect together, we just won't be connecting together, although important, connecting together on a social connection. But we'll be connecting together, encouraging one another and moving one another on. I encourage you to think about that. I encourage you to be part of that to embrace the pathway to full maturity and get committed to community here at the Heights. Paul says this in in closing uh, to a prayer that he, he writes to the Thessalonian church. He said, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God, our Father, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes with his holy ones. Let's pray. Lord, it is our prayer, it is my prayer, that we will not think the only way that we can connect during the week is through a connect group. We know, Lord, that that's the best to gather together under your word, to, to build and, and, and grow each other uh, in love as we outwork that in a connect group. But sometimes we're just unable to do that. And I don't want that to be the only pathway that we can connect. So I pray, Lord, that we find ways intentionally 
to connect with each other so that we might step out in faith, knowing your character and being assured of your faithfulness, unchangeable character. We step out in faith. We strategically might think how we're going to walk and do ministry as a church and we might be intentional about connecting with one another, your church, because we know that builds growth towards maturity. So we pray this, Lord, in your name. Amen.